Welcome to this episode of the Soul Glow Podcast with Amalia Natalio of Karmic Kindness and Susan Martin of Susan Green Living. We are joined. Hi there, Susan. We are so excited to be here with you today in this particular episode, following up from our last episode talking about moving through disentanglement and this is based more on that re the relationship you have with yourself post disentanglement, post separation or divorce. And we're sharing some of the strategies and tools that worked really well for us that helped us become our own best friend, which is pretty awesome to be your own best friend. And most of us don't have that sort of relationship with ourself. We don't take the time to look deeper within us to understand and to see how awesome we really are. So Susan, I'm going to give the floor to you and let you share a few of your favorite tools and strategies to move into a deeper and closer relationship with yourself. Yeah, it's, there's so many levels to it too. It's um, when I talk about self-love, but it's like, first you have to like yourself, that self-like first. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I love that. So, um, so it's not only learning to like yourself, then it's learning to be your best friend. And then that self-love, that unconditional self-love, I feel like comes into place, which um, so many of us, you know, we don't do the self-care and we don't maybe have the self-love, but sometimes we're just so hard on ourselves that we don't even like ourselves in, in maybe this situation or period, you know, and maybe that's a conditioned response from having a toxic relationship or having some trauma from your past where this is this learned behavior where then you've learned to have this self-loathing or that maybe you aren't worthy. Um, but in actuality, we are all spiritual beings just having a human existence and we're all worthy of, of love, especially our own love. I mean, that's where all love stems from. To have a healthy relationship, you must have love for yourself first and foremost because that carries over into everything else that you do so if you find yourself having i know for me personally having issues in relationships romantic or even professional or even friendships it's usually something that starts from within you know it's a uh, something that you need to work on maybe there's that trauma maybe there's something missing maybe it's just a pattern of abuse or behavior, you know, and um, for me, I just didn't like being alone. I always found my self-worth from someone else, whether that was a romantic partner or a friend or a family member. It was always someone else had to reassure me that I was enough or that I did the right thing or that I was know, pretty enough, smart enough, good enough. Um, and it's exhausting to, for the people around you. <laughs> it's exhausting for yourself to always need that reassurance and not to be able to find that within yourself. So that was kind of where I started was really just tapping into my own intuition and following my heart and listening to my own needs and finding that self-worth. And it's, it, and to do that, it's, it's, it's hard. I, spent, I started spending a lot of time alone. I started learning. That step one for me was enjoying my alone time. 
not having to fill it with going out with girlfriends to just kind of cloud that or what's the right word? That's not the right word, but to try to distract me, you know, the distractions. Right. Also, um, not, you know, <laughs> uh, uh, drinking, not, you know, medic medicating yourself with that liquid courage um, to try to numb that pain too, is really sitting sober by myself, learning how to be alone was number one. And then I integrated other tools that I'm sure we'll talk about. Um, but yeah, that was the biggest, the big, biggest thing for me was learning to be alone. And then uh, the two things that I used right away in, in correlation or in combination with that was uh, journaling, like a freestyle journaling, just getting out whatever I needed to get out at the time, just like letting it just flow out just like a volcano. And then sometimes the journal entries were like letters to people from my past or stuff that I needed to actually direct in a certain um, area of my life or to a certain person. And then learning to meditate was really uh, important. Um, even if I sat with um, one, uh, one minute of meditating, two minutes of meditating, three minutes just sitting, it took a lot for me because I was one of those people like, oh, I can't meditate. I don't know how to do it. It's just my brain is just, but you can, anyone can do it. Anyone can do it. If I can do it, you can do it. And every day is different, but I would just show up. Maybe I'm just breathing. Maybe I'm counting my breath. Literally, maybe for a minute, maybe 30 seconds of that minute, I'm actually calm and emptying my brain. But the more you do it, the more you just show up and have that time for yourself, the better it feels in your body. And um, the more I could expand on that practice, the more it could go to five minutes, to 10 minutes to 20 minutes, um, and I was up to about a 20-minute regular practice. Some days, if I had the time, I would do maybe a 30 or 45-minute, but as long as I could get in like a 10 to 20-minute, it, it, it felt amazing. And on days even now, if I don't have that, as long as I'm even doing one minute of breathing, five minutes, you just don't want to put more pressure on yourself when you're already going through a lot. So. Um, I don't know if any of that resonated with you. If it's a oh, totally, yeah. And you're, I love what you just said about not putting pressure on yourself when you're already going through a lot. Uh, that's a big, big piece of it because, from you know, you also talked about like in the beginning about you know just that that transitional period where you are fearful of being alone and maybe you do have these thoughts in your head and you're kind of beating yourself up or maybe in in your disentanglement you were told you were x y or z and you were taking that on as your own and and you you became that that uh that person you know you're talking about feeling unworthy and all of those aspects of life and you know that can happen and so it's it is really about tuning into yourself in a deeper way and having a deeper understanding of who you are. I too was terrified of being alone. The thought of having to start my life over by myself was, I can't even tell you the fear that was within me because I went from my parents' home to living in college with a group of people to moving into, you know, uh, my place that I had with the man who eventually became my husband 
and I was very young. And so I never had an opportunity to live by myself or to get to know myself in a real way. So doing it in my forties was, I mean, you might as well have told me to like jump off the top of like a skyscraper into like a baby pool. And I would have been like at the same level of fear. So it's, it's huge. And everyone's got their, their thing that's going to really push their buttons. It's going to feel really heavy and hard. Uh, I 100% agree with you. Journaling and meditating were huge pieces of it for me. And the meditation part I've been doing prior to this period. And so I already had a pretty regular meditation practice, but it became imperative. It became a non-negotiable, like getting up in the morning and going to the bathroom and brushing my teeth. Like the, my meditation practice was part of that. And I can feel when I don't like, this is a reminder right now at the time of this recording that I have fallen my, my day, my regular daily meditation practice has kind of fallen by the wayside. I have been meditating, but not as regularly. And so this is a good reminder for me to get back into that longer meditation practice. I, you know, I'm doing right there with you. Yeah. You know, I, I will meditate daily as far as like just a few minutes here and there, but like that really deep, rich, 20, 30 minute meditation practice. It's, it's really amazing. A few minutes are great. You know, like you said, if you do it for a minute or five minutes, that's awesome. But if you can go in and stay in that stillness and that, that space a little longer, that's where the magic really happens. And the journaling was typically something I did right after my meditation practice. So whatever came up during meditation, I would write in my journal. I would also journal my dreams as soon as I woke up. Um, that gave me a lot of insights as to what was weighing on me, what direction to go. For those of you who would like to have a, you know, more of a journal or dream analysis. There's tons of resources online. You don't need anyone to do it for you necessarily. It's helpful to have somebody neutral come in and maybe direct you or guide you if you're completely lost, because oftentimes we miss certain things, but it's a great practice to help you tune into yourself and tune into your intuition. And on top of that, I think the other two pieces for me um, are, um, continue to be, so I say are instead of were, is connecting with nature, getting outside and taking a walk or sitting in the grass or, you know, for me, water is huge. So if I can go, you know, luckily now I live across the street from the ocean. So it's very easy for me to connect with water. But at the time, I lived in Virginia, there was no ocean close by. And so there was a park that I would go to that was beautiful. It had a pond, would walk around. I would collect rocks sometimes that would just bring me some sort of uh, sense of peace. And it was just a really great way to connect with myself through, through nature. And then the last piece was something called um, a soul contract reading. And it's essentially a, taking a look at who you are on a soul level based on your birth name. And that was huge for me. It became such a big piece of it that that has now become part of my business. That's become part of my uh, journey as far as a deeper understanding of myself, a deeper understanding of how I relate to other people. And it's, it's really, really helpful, particularly when you're feeling lost because you've lost your identity with someone else. Like you've, especially if you've been married for quite some time, 
your identity is so intertwined with that person that when they're gone, you're like, who the F am I? What do I like? What do I want? What, what, what is my purpose? Why am I here? Is there something bigger and better and bolder and brighter that I could be doing? So that really gives you some clues as to the bigger picture of, of the why you're here and maybe a deeper understanding and some compassion for yourself for the things that maybe your best friend thinks is, is a small thing. Like Susan and I, before we recorded, we're talking about, you know, aspects of our lives that for one person feels really heavy and hard. And for another one, it's super easy. Well, you have to understand where you come from. And for one person, that unworthiness piece, is a huge karmic pattern and it's very difficult for them to see how amazing they truly are. Even when everyone else around them is saying you're amazing, they don't believe it. And for another person, it's, you know, it may be that, um, you know, showing up on time, being here on earth, doing earthly tasks is really hard. So that friend that you get pissed off at every time you get together with her and she's like 30 minutes late, she might not be able to help it. There may be some part of her soul and her soul contract where that's something that she is learning how to step into better. She's trying her best. She's doing the best that she can, but maybe she doesn't have a deeper understanding or awareness around it. So it offers you a place of compassion for yourself. And if you're looking at other people around you, it offers you compassion for them as well. So I think, you know, we're pretty much in the same place. I think for you though, Susan, you had a couple of other areas that you really enjoyed. I think because you and I both talked about these during our, our disentanglements, um, you know, relying on some more of the metaphysical practices as well. Well, I'm glad you mentioned nature though, because that is a huge one for me. I wish the ocean definitely is like the ocean. I would say the ocean calls me home, but mother, mother earth, you know, mother nature heals me. So it's definitely wish I was near an ocean, but um, <laughs> But I love just sitting, like, you know, um, like, I don't know what, what you want to call it. Like, I would call it moon bathing when you're sitting under the moon. I don't know if we call it tree bathing, but, like, you know, sitting under a tree. And I did a lot of meditations under a tree. I'd pick my favorite tree in the backyard, and I would spend a lot of time there and just really ground in earth. And so um, nature is huge. Like, if you can get out, go for a walk, that was so grounding and reassuring and that was something that was definitely part of the journey and um I know the journaling was so huge for me but then it's gotten to the point where as I've been transitioning and really working on self-growth and um you know now coming out of disentanglement and um all the lessons that are happening sometimes I think uh, a straight up journal for some people might be a little excessive or a little scary to tackle um so I always offer different variations, like I've helped people. Um, so now basically what I do is I use a gratitude journal. So to keep me in um, the right headspace to realize how blessed I truly am and to keep me in a very positive, it's almost like another type of positive affirmation to do every day. I write down at least three things that I'm grateful for. So that's how I still maintain my daily, daily journaling without it being like overwhelming. And I invite anyone who is in maybe more of a negative space or feels stuck or just feels like everything's going kind of wrong in their life and there's, you know, um, stuck in this hole or 
hard to get out of. I would invite you if, if the full journaling or freestyle journaling doesn't sound like it's for you or it doesn't resonate, that maybe just starting with a gratitude journal. And it can be a bullet journal. It doesn't have to be full sentences and full thoughts, um, but like just writing, just, it puts, really helps manifest more abundance and more blessings and more positive things in your life if you are already thankful and grateful for what you have. And it really shifts your perception of life. And I really um, highly encourage it if, if you can't, you know, whatever resonates with you more with journaling, but you've got to get some energy out, whether it's full journaling or just gratitude. And I even had a, um, one of my Reiki clients come and it wasn't necessarily gratitude that she needed help with, but I was like, she was having a lot of uh, blockage in her third chakra in her solar plexus, which is all about like joy, happiness, passion, power, uh, self-confidence. And so I was, I just got a message that I was like, you need to write down three things that make you happy. Maybe it's not gratitude, but three things that make you happy with, that is either just make you happy in general or three things that make you happy in the day to help kind of shift into this more positive uh, mindset. So there's all different ways that you can do it. If something else resonates with you more, obviously, uh, listen to your intuition. And the more you spend time alone, the more you spend time with nature, the more you spend time meditating, your intuitive powers grow exponentially exponentially because you're tapped into that energetic frequency and the energy we all share because we were all connected and that's what kind of brought me into what we were talking about I I think I really actually thank you because you were the one that actually was like check out you know more about your full natal chart because I was always into astrology but I didn't know my whole chart um, for tropical you know, I've learned a little bit more about Vedic now. I know that you really follow the Vedic astrology more so now. I still kind of lean towards the tropical zodiac, but um, I've learned a little bit about Vedic too. It's very fast. They're all, all very fascinating. Um, so I learned my full natal chart, which made a lot of sense <laughs> about, you know, things that were going on. Um, and then I did a whole, I, I started learning more about numerology. Even though I had a whole book on it, I never really dove into numerology. So learning all of that was really powerful as well. Um, I didn't get too deep into numerology. I stayed more with like the life path number, you know, your destiny number and your um, expression. Yeah. So uh, I, 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 I kind of, but there's so many more too. There's so many more facets to it that you can dive into um, like your personality number and other, other stuff. But um so that really started helping me understand myself a little bit more and my gifts and my talents, my struggles. Um, and then I really started getting into, um, like, I've always kind of been into it, but I never really dove into it until you get to that place where you're like, what am I doing with my life? What is my next step? What are messages? And, you know, the more you meditate, you kind of tap in, you get that connection to spirit, to the universe to your spirit guides, to your guardian angels, to God, whatever you want to call it, mm -hmm. um, you kind of grow this connection. So I started really, um, I always had a deck of Oracle cards, well, medicine cards, Native American medicine cards. I was always really fascinated with, and they were always so on point. But then I started expanding and I started 
learning more about oracle cards and traditional tarot cards and then different types of tarot cards and, you know, looking at readings online and um, seeing what other people were doing and then doing the pulling them myself if I needed um, answers. And it's kind of scary how accurate they are most of the time. <laughs> Whether you're an experienced, uh, you know, horologist or not, it's, it's, uh, it's pretty crazy. As long as you have, you know, or you don't doubt, like you're just like, you're tapped in and you're not putting any doubt in there. You're just like, yes, this is, and sometimes the messages might not be exactly what you thought, what you wanted, or maybe they're for a different part of your life or some a loved one, but nine times out of 10, they're usually pretty, pretty spot on. And it might not be what we want to hear, but they usually get the slap in the face that, you know, we need. But um, so there's a lot of different ways of tapping into to that energy. And if that resonates with you, some people that doesn't. And um, I know that you had other things that you were doing too, but all of those were great confirmations that I was on the right path. I was making the right decisions, that I was loved. I was supported. Um, I was worthy. And I really started enjoying my alone time, my, my little rituals and routines that I were creating to have that self-care and that self-love. And then I really just started, like, craving it more and more. And I was like, that's when I became my own best friend because I was like, I love this time with myself. I need this time. I love – this is fun for me to get these little confirmations, for me to do this work. And then from that, it really comes into the unconditional self-love where you're like – not owning what other people are saying. That what other people are saying about you, especially if it's coming from the toxic partnership, that's not your truth. That might be just a projection from what they're going through. Then you really get to, to remove that veil and see who you really are because we're all beautiful, magical beings and we're all intuitive. And we all deserve love. Like the universe does not want us to fail. The universe does not want us to suffer. It wants us to be happy and grounded. And sometimes we just lose sight of that for maybe various reasons. A person making us believe that we aren't worthy or certain situations in life or traumas or just, um, you know, a brief moment of, you know, I don't know what the opposite of clarity is, but yeah yeah I mean I all of those things too like you you were sharing like did all of that too because you get to a point and I was reflecting on the people that I know who have done this deep dive in our work where have they been in their lives and usually it's been some sort of tragedy or uh, the end of a relationship the loss of a job a death of a loved one like something happens in your life that turns your life upside down, that really pushes you to a place where it's like, what, what is the deal? You know, you really have, you recognize that you've lost yourself along the way, that you maybe never knew yourself at all. And you're looking for any avenue, any outlet that can offer you some guidance, offer you some direction, offer you a place to to sit for a moment and tune into yourself in a bigger, deeper, more powerful way. And speaking of power, you know, I think it's interesting what you mentioned about your Reiki client who came in and you, you know, she had 
issues with her third chakra and you offered her the guidance for the a journal prompt of you know what makes you happy and that's awesome that's so beautiful because when you are in a place where you are ending a relationship and you are really unsure your third chakra is completely out of whack you have now lost your sense of power you feel really untethered you feel really lost you feel there is a lot of unworthiness there is a lot of doubt there is a lot of feeling of helplessness and hopelessness sometimes knowing full well you know that you will be okay at some point but in the midst of some of the emotional turmoil it feels so heavy and hard and your third chakra is that is a place like at least for me personally like holy cow like that's where i would always i would feel it sometimes it would be up in my heart sometimes it would be a little lower in the sacral chakra but you would definitely i would definitely feel that and even still when when my unworthiness trigger gets or button gets pushed that's where i feel it first is is in that that place and then i have to stop and ask myself okay what where is this coming from what is this about is this about the situation that's in front of me because that's the other piece of this too is like you were saying susan where you're being told something about yourself and you take it on as your own question that you know question those beliefs that you've had question those ideas that you've had about yourself and about other people around you don't take what someone is telling you especially if it's coming from a toxic relationship as truth really question everything that you know to be true and allow yourself to open up to the possibilities of what could be what might be what will be if you just focus and tune in and allow that information to come through whether it's a soul contract or an astrology reading or a numerology reading or list you know spirit guides or spirit animals or signs from the universe that you've missed before it doesn't matter it's just really about tuning into that that still very almost like whisper quiet voice within you that really is there to help you to guide you to support you to love you and to be that kind of like your north star your inner north star for where you're heading and where you you're you just allow yourself to open up to that allow yourself to love yourself in a new way to become your own best friend so that you can hold your own hand on the journey to get to the other side of where you are now mm -hmm. that's so true yeah so i don't know if, what do you i don't know if you have anything else you want to add susan or if maybe we want to wrap it up wrap it up here so we because we've got a lot of other stuff to uh to share coming up in the next few episodes only other thing i'd probably say is because we kind of both touched on it was um like energy work mm, uh, right masters uh you know you might not be a reiki practitioner and you might not have access to a reiki practitioner or master but if you can do any type of, if you believe, if it resonates with you about, you know, because we're all energetic beings, some type of energy balancing, whether like balancing your chakras, um, you can even listen to like binarial beats 
meditations that are good for balancing. The sound healing is really good for that. I did a lot of chakra balancing going through that because like you were saying, you, where you feel it, like I could just feel there was blockages, there was excess, like my solar, my sacral chakra where you hold, hold your emotions was just like that water element energy was just crazy. My heart was, had, you know, my heart chakra had blockages. It was just, so I was trying to do a constant balance of that. So I would always recommend trying to do some type of energy work, maybe with your meditations, if you don't have access to uh, someone who does energy work. Um, you know, chakra healing, if you like to focus more on the meridian lines, um, that's really, really powerful. Um, you know, even like a yin practice, a yin yoga practice, or even just showing up for uh, traditional yoga practice, hatha, you know, a traditional hatha or vinyasa or any type of physical practice will also help balance your energy. So if working on the chakras and the meridian lines doesn't resonate with you, make sure you're just doing some type of physical activity to make sure your body is, you're working on your body healing just as much as the spiritual, mental, and emotional bodies as well. So going for a walk in nature, Doing something physical will also help you feel better emotionally and spiritually. So if you don't do the energetic work, at least physically move so different parts of the body can align. I know you and I both also, uh, because we, we everything with energy and everything has a vibration, we really are in tune with crystals. So we'd use crystals for different chakras, crystals for meditation, um, aromatherapy I know you've used the different like um, essence oils um, that you, you you know and uh, there's just so many there's just so many tools that you can use so there's so many things out there that people can tap in the sound healing is really great too sound baths Tibetan singing bowls uh, binarial beats anything to to kind of make sure you make it your own um, and and not take you know, and don't take any crap from anybody. You know? <laughs> <laughs> you know, like. I'm so glad that you mentioned the energy work and yoga because those are huge, huge parts of the healing process too. Like the yoga and just movement, moving that energy in your body and the, you know, energy work is tremendous. I mean, that was pretty much one of the reasons why I ended up, you know, going to learn more about Reiki and then eventually becoming attuned to you know, actually practice Reiki on others is the fact that it really does make such a profound impact. And Susan was actually my Reiki master for my final, uh, my, my Reiki master um, attunement, which was super cool to have that done by somebody that I love so much. So that was, that was awesome. You know, so if, other types of energy work too. So you yeah. Yeah. There, there, yeah, there are, there are so many. And I think, you know, with, with, where we are now in the world, you know, as crazy as it sounds, you can do Reiki from a distance. It doesn't have to be somebody sitting in front of you. So maybe find someone. I mean, Susan and I, of course, are available, but there's so many other people that can really help shift your energy from a distance. Uh, then listening to sound healings and binaural beats, YouTube is a plethora of options out there. So, you know, you Isn't really- if you've ever heard of the app Insight Timer. Uh, I haven't used that. Yeah, that's, I use it for my yin class, when I teach yin classes, because you can create your own timers on there. Um, 
but yeah, Insight Timer is really great. It's kind of in the same sense as like YouTube, where um, they have a ton of free meditations on there. So you can put um, a search for anything. You can do binarial beats. You can do chakra um, clearing or balancing. And they have so many, they have guided meditations. They have just instrumental meditations. They'll just have like piano. If you prefer like instrumental music, they have so much. And you can set the time. They have like anything from like five, like a couple minutes all the way up to like hour. They do, they have the different um, moon, like any type of moon, um, like a full moon meditation. They have some type of um, activating meditations that are more of like chanting and like Native American, like kind of like purging, like cleansing. They do some type of Kriyas with like, there's so much on there. So I highly recommend, like you said, YouTube is amazing and Insight Timer app on your phone is great too. Wow. Yeah, that does sound really cool. I wanted to say, I wanted to say they have a lot on there. That's one of my favorite uh, meditation apps. Yeah. That's awesome. Okay. So that's a good one. That's definitely a good one. I, I just learned something new on our show today, Susan. Exciting. All right. Well, I guess this is a great place for us to bid everyone adieu until the next time. We will likely be talking about more of the strategies that we talked about today, maybe a little, maybe breaking down the top three more in depth so that people have a a little bit more of an understanding. It'll likely be a short episode. We'll spend maybe, I don't know, what do you think, Susan? 15, 20 minutes per? Yeah. Just giving everyone just a basic overview and then they could decide if they want to take a deeper dive in that on their own or maybe do a deeper dive with us in some of our upcoming online classes and um, online retreats. Hopefully in person will happen again. <laughs> also, but um on behalf of Susan and myself, Amalia, we thank you so much for tuning in and listening, and we hope that you join us on another episode of the Soul Glow Podcast. Thank you so much.